Hey everyone, uh, welcome to another episode of Do I Still Love It? Uh, the show that is a tale as old as time, as long as that time is the 1980s. Or, in this case, the early 90s. I'm uh, one of your hosts, Marshall James. And I'm Laura Weiss. And every week we have a special guest over to watch a movie or television show that we remember loving when we were kids, but that we haven't seen in a while, to see whether or not it holds up now that we're adults. And our special guest this week is writer, actor, comedian, uh, activist, and <laughs> teacher, Petey Gibson. Woo! Yeah! yeah. I provide my own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, like, Stop amplify it, that girls. several times. Stop it, girls. Go away, girls. <laughs> Please, I stay behind friend. the velvet rope. This yeah. is important. Yeah. So, uh, Petey, why don't you tell the audience briefly a little bit about you? <laughs> yeah, my name's uh, Petey. I am a writer and an actor. Um, I am a groundling tra- groundlings trained um, character actor. I uh, just had my writing lab show on the main stage. It was delicious. Congrats. Thanks, I loved it. Um, I host a um, sometimes monthly, sometimes more, sometimes less. This year it's quarterly. <laughs> The Mary Dolan Show, where I play eighty-six-year-old. Oh my gosh. Mary Dolan. <laughs> and this is a this is the first uh, project that Laura and I both got to see you perform in, and it is probably my favorite live show, like consistently favorite <laughs> live show in LA. I am a fan. It's I'm wacko. a big big it's fan. Part, part Thanks, sketch guys. and part stand up and part uh, kind of improvised interview. It's like a mix of all my favorite kinds of comedy in one night. Will you be having a show later on this month? Yeah. I do. I have one um, Friday, March 24th at 8 p.m. at Open Space on Fairfax. It's going to be great. I just booked um, Danielle Perez on the show, which I'm nice. extremely excited about. Fantastic. Um, my co-host, uh, Reggie the Puppet, will be back. Raring <laughs> to go. He's a very sweet, gentle guy. So Yeah, Great, so we'll have links to that uh, where you can go uh, and check out PD's show and... Uh, yeah, and I, I can't recommend it enough. All right, so why don't we get right into it? Uh, we're really excited to have you on to watch the 1991 Disney animated classic, <sighs> Beauty and the Beast. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. So let's just get right into it. Why are you so excited? This was my favorite yeah. Disney movie as a kid, and mainly we watched Disney movies. I'm the oldest of four kids, um, and we didn't always have like uh, cable or TV, we were mainly like a movie family and we were mainly a repetitive movie family. So uh-huh. I yeah. probably, like we sometimes as kids would like get to the end of a movie and rewind it, stand there, hold the rewind button and then watch it again. So I I bet you it's going to be the most annoying experience you two have ever had <laughs> because I will probably remember all of the words. Yes! Oh, wow. And I was in love with Belle. That could have tipped me early on. Who's to say? Really? <laughs> it's like Belle and Dr. Quinn, pretty much. Right? Yeah. Nice. Hey, good oh. choice. Yeah. Now that, that is a, that is a woman. Oh my uh, God. Man, I meant that. We gotta a do medicine Dr. Quinn woman. on this show. <laughs> Not just a woman, a medicine woman. I have woman. all the DVDs. <laughs> For real? I do. You ever right. want to come back Be- on, bring the DVDs over? Okay. We'll totally do Dr. Yeah. Quinn. Perfect. All right, so uh, tune in a few months from now. We'll, we'll have Petey Gibson back to watch Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. Do we still love that? Uh, so, uh, Petey, in 30 yes. seconds or less, <gasps> okay. what do you remember Beauty and the Beast being about? Okay, so it starts off with this huge, there goes the baker with his tray like always, and she's like walking through town, she's like, oh, I read books, everybody hates me, even though I'm perfect and beautiful and thin, and everyone's like, oh, Belle, you're nasty, and I think they're in France, and then she like goes home, and her dad's like, Bernie Sanders, sort of, <laughs> like, <laughs> before Bernie Sanders, it was Bernie Sanders, no, he's always been Bernie Sanders, but... Um, so her dad's like this crazy inventor. No, I've got a huge invention. A huge <laughs> invention. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh-huh. That's exactly right. Okay. Then Gaston is like kind of a like child-friendly sexual assaulter. <laughs> and um, he has a beautiful butt chin. And he sings that song about when I was a lad, I ate four dozen eggs every morning to help me get large. And like, I was always fucked up as a kid being like, holy shit, you eat six dozen eggs for breakfast. That's a lot of eggs. And in it, he's juggling eggs and then he swallows them like raw in their shells. (laughs) 
<laughs> I vividly remember that. And then for some reason, she's like in the snow, and then she finds this beast, and he's like, get the fuck out, you're a piece of shit. And she's like, maybe I love you. It was like a Harlequin romance, kind uh-huh. of, but like for kids. His rippling, beastly muscles. Oh, my God. She's like, are you an animal? (laughs) You're acting like one. But then Mrs. Potts is there, Angela Lansbury, who I love from Bedknobs and Broomsticks as a Mm, kid. Yes. So then everybody comes to life because they're in this sort of like Stockholm Syndrome thing, I guess. Do they used to be people? Yeah, they were people. I think so. I think so. Oh, and the flat. Well, Angela Lansbury is a a person or was a person. Is she dead? It's Angela Lansbury No, dead. she's not dead. Oh, thank God, she's still alive. You just really panicked for a second. No, I saw her last year live, and I... Oh, wow. She was in a show, and I brought binoculars just so I could look up close, and she looked just like Mary Dolan. Oh, wow. Nice. Guys, our influences really are on the surface here. Um, and then she... He gives her, like, a library, so she's like, I guess it's okay that you scream at me and yell at me and torture me. Now I have books. And then I think they fall in love when spring comes. And then there's guys, and then they have the torch thing where the guys are like, kill the beast, ah, kill the beast, ah, oh, yeah. papa. And she's like, oh, the dad must come back. <sighs> <laughs> I can't wait. So it's very obvious that you uh, certainly loved this movie. <laughs> or, uh, and uh... But what I like about what you, <sighs> what you love about this movie is you're not lying about the fact there's like Stockholm Syndrome and really fucked up shit going on. Yeah. I like it. You're really eye-opened here. I mean, obviously as a kid you don't know that, but right. it must be like thinking about it is just like, yeah. Yeah. That's fucked up. Well, because the advertisements come out for the new one mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, and seeing it live... I was like, oh, this is a story about bestiality. <laughs> like, it's different when it's a cartoon, so I can't right. wait to go back and watch the animated version because yeah. seeing it live, I'm like, but are they going to have sex? <laughs> like, yeah. You don't think about that as a kid is with cartoons. But I'm just right. like, as a kid, you're just thinking, yeah, are they going to kiss? Yeah, but like... And he'd have furry lips. <laughs> you know, yeah, but this dude's like clicking around on huge paws, and you're like, but... <laughs> this is a very good point that I haven't thought about yet. You're gonna think about it. See, I'm really excited to do this to do this movie, and then directly in a week go see the live action version because I, I have I have like pretty high respect for Emma Watson, you know, like running around super UN feminist. Um, and so when she took this role, I was like, what? Me too. I thought it was really weird. And then I was like, all right, I'm gonna trust you. Because I'm going to trust you that you, you feel like you can you have enough clout to throw around that you can maybe, like, make this less creepy. Let's see what happens. And then I was like, you know what? I, I haven't seen this movie since I was very little. And I don't know how much of the outside world has affected my opinion on it. Because I've gotten so much Stockholm Syndrome, the movie talk, <laughs> um, that I'm like, is this my thought? I've actually never... I've no, actually, it's totally magical when you're a kid. I, yeah, I've never <laughs> yeah. actually dug into this as an adult, so I'm really excited to Remember see... Remember when the plates do the whole, like, dance? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, well, guys. We won't, we won't even I have to remember. I am so excited that we're watching this with yeah. you. Mm-hmm. So, real briefly, before we break to watch it, tell us a little bit about what was... What, can you remember around what age you were the last time you were really watching it, and what was Petey like then that played into your liking of, of Beauty and the Beast? Oh, interesting. Well, I was probably, maybe I remember it so well because I was the oldest of four, so I saw it when I was older. I was probably like 14. Oh, okay. So you had to watch this movie for a good 10 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Had had to. to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was um, super bookworm nerd. Uh-huh. Um, oh, so kid. Belle and you had Oh, that yeah, me and Belle. I was like, let's run away together, girl. <laughs> like, I'll save you from that beast. Yeah, for sure. We'll read some books. Yeah, <laughs> etc. We'll sing to the inanimate objects in our house. Mrs. Potts will be there. <laughs> yeah. We'll drink tea out of an old lady. Yup, exactly. <laughs> That's so fucked up when you say it that way. Is it her nose? Is it her other thing? We'll things? pour tea out of an old lady's face into her nephew. Mm. <laughs> yup, yup. Wow. He has this line. I remember wow. Chip has this line. It's like, 
his mustache tickles, mama. Because there's like some guy drinking <laughs> out of him. Oh, jeez. Oh, that's problematic. Oh, jeez. Oh, 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 gosh. So, yeah, I was just like a nerd. They called me Mantis at school. Mantis? Yeah, I looked like a praying mantis as a child. But Mantis <laughs> seems like... I'm extremely hot now. I know you guys can't see me, but... <laughs> like... I feel like Mantis pretty. is like the most badass, badass nickname. I know. I know. I feel like with it a nickname is. like Mantis, I was like, whoa, did, were you like fighting crime by night because I was a ninja? <laughs> I actually took it differently. Like, because Mantises are crazy smart. Like, ruthless. No, this so. was like I had an extremely skinny, um, bony body. And then my hair w- grew out like a triangle from oh. my head because it's very thick. Uh-huh. So I kind of looked like a praying mantis. Nice. With And I had big oh, glasses. Oh, big glasses. Now, oh, did yeah. you ever embrace the, the mantis nickname? Or was it always a point of... I do now. My sisters will sometimes call me mantis or like... <laughs> right, like cards to me. Mantis. We'll do that. So, Laura, tell us a little bit. What was little Laura like the last time she watched this? Okay, so I'm I'm gonna admit that for some reason I had no ability as a child to like multiple things. <laughs> you would just get it's obsessed with like one thing. my hipster mentality was real strong as a kid, and I was so in love with the Little Mermaid that when. Beauty and the Beast came in. I was like, no, Mm-mm. I already have my Disney princess. And when I watch this movie, I'm going to find fault with every single part of it because it will never be The Little Mermaid. Or at least in my mind, that's how I remember Shit. it. And so I am curious to revisit it because I found that most people prefer Beauty and the Beast over The Little Mermaid. Critics agree. Oh, how dare they? So I think I the last time I think when I saw this movie I think I just only saw it in the theaters and then maybe only a handful of times on VHS, uh, and so I must have been like eight or nine the last time I saw it. But I think it definitely played, it definitely played into when I was a kid. I was convinced, not like wholly convinced, like I was orthodox about it, but I was very convinced <laughs> that inanimate objects were alive that oh, and, and that yeah. they probably came alive when I wasn't around. And so this movie... I used so, to try to catch them. Right, well, and I got... I was, I don't know, I was a weird kid. Like, I was the sort of kid who, if food spoiled, I would feel bad. Like, that food didn't get to have its destiny. Or, like, <laughs> if, like, if I didn't... That is pl- the most emo thing I've I, ever heard. Or if I didn't play with a toy in a long time, I'm like, oh, this toy probably misses me. Or it's like rampant, just like egomania. Right, that's true. When you say that toy probably misses me, my eyes cut. We're in my we're in my bedroom right now. This is where we record. My eyes cut straight to Hoppy, my bunny I've had since I was four, and I'm just like, it's adorable. I'm just like Hoppy. I'll play with you later. (laughs) I forgot about you. Hoppy can watch the movie with us. Oh my gosh, Hoppy, do you want to watch the movie with us? Yeah. Great. Well, won't you grab a inanimate object that you've imbued with life in your own imagination and join us for watching 1991's Disney's The Beauty and the Beast. Walt Disney Pictures presents its all-new 30th full-length animated motion picture. Is anyone here? Mama, there's a girl in the castle. A girl! A girl! The classic story of Beauty and the Beast. He was a lonely beast, cursed by a mysterious spell. And she was the beautiful young girl who could set him and his kingdom free. She's the one! She has come to break the spell! They were two complete opposites. I don't want to have anything to do with him. She is being so difficult. Until something wonderful happened. There's something sweet. Straighten up. And almost kind. Show me the smile. But he was mean and he was coarse and unrefined. And now he's dear. You look so... And so unsure. Stupid. I wonder why I didn't see it there before. It's a story filled with fun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I beg your pardon. Adventure. Sacre bleu. Invaders. <laughs> And dozens of wonderful new Disney characters. Keep it down. Featuring six new songs from the Academy Award-winning composer and lyricist of The Little Mermaid. (laughs) 
This holiday season, share the fun, the magic, and the music of an entertainment event you'll never forget. Disney's Beauty and the Beast. So that was Disney's Beauty and the Beast. And uh, Petey sitting across the table swooning from me. <laughs> Petey, how'd that go for you? Uh, it was a third as good as I remember. Oh. A third better than I remember. <laughs> and a third horrifying. And I'm kind of depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I got kind of like upset halfway through at the really like intense like not only misogyny but at like society seeing something beautiful and sweet and doing everything they can to wreck it just to show that they can and that yeah maybe yeah. in this political climate it was like oh this is actually very upsetting <laughs> yeah. no that's interesting sorry like, team no, i don't no. remember that she was storybook made prisoner by the beast but she was kind of real life attempted to be made prisoner by Gaston. Usually you get the allegory of the fa- of the fairy tale, but this one was mixed in fairy tale mm. plus actual threat. Yeah. That could happen to anyone. Right. Do you think that do you think the the allegory here is like you know, that being captured in a castle by a beast is like being forced into marriage? <laughs> you know, like in this, Gaston was the beast. Yeah. Who? And know. every last inch of him's covered in hair. <laughs> right. Point. I mean, he said it. You know, and both the beast and Gaston use her dad as leverage to get yeah. her into these situations. So, yeah. ladies, don't stick up for your father. But it's just going to get you stuck like, in. <laughs> in defense of the beast. I will say that dad just walked into his house after, like, trespassed after 10 years of him not seeing another person. True. And and having, like, horrible self-esteem issues. And he's basically just like, fuck, what do I do with this? So he's playing, like, on the fly as as the situation progresses. Whereas Gaston premeditated yeah. all of this fucking shit that he did, which I think Gaston is Gaston basically worse. spells it out. He's yeah. like, I'm going to do this horrible thing right now. Watch me go. The, yeah, there is a there's a scene when he introduces his plot where he speaks to the asylum keeper and he he doesn't just tell him, "Hey, I I need you to come and arrest this guy cuz he's insane." No, he goes, "Listen up, asylum keeper. I'm going to force this woman into a marriage with me and I'm going to use her father as extortion leverage." Yeah. And the and the asylum keeper's like, uh, I'm I'm super grim and evil too. I think that sounds great. I think what was so upsetting is like seeing it now, watching how little Gaston actually liked her. Right. And I was like, you just want to crush like the one happy thing in this town so that you can own it. Yeah, <laughs> I think he I just, just wanted a pretty trophy. He cared yep. nothing about what was inside of it. it and it would all be about more trophies. And it would be more uh, useful for him if he could crush her spirit, so he just got the pretty trophy without it talking back. Right. It was very strange because when we were introduced to Gaston and there's these blonde triplets that swoon Mm. over him the whole time. There's so much cleave. And they're, yeah, they're, they're illustrated to be just as, you know, ostensibly pretty as Belle. And there are three of them. And yet what's, what's really attractive to Gaston obviously is the hunt, right? Because he's a hunter. So like the fact that she, the fact that she doesn't want him is the most attractive part about it. Because he's astounded. Everything in his life has been so easy. (laughs) So Gaston, who's the walking monument to male privilege, uh, kind of dominates this town. He, but I found him a really, I mean, he's an awful person, but I feel... Are you about to in, defend him? No, no. I think he's an enjoyable <laughs> villain. Because he's hot? That's fucked up, Marshall. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, the thing I think is, one, he has this sort of like Nathan Fillion style swagger the whole time. Yeah. I kept thinking, this is a role Nathan Fillion was born to play, uh, you know, because he's... I can see that. While we were watching it towards the end, Laura, you made an interesting observation that... um, Yeah, it's not that, like, usually in a story such as this, our villain is pure evil. Right. This guy's not evil. He's just toxically masculine to, like, the nth degree. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be any anything other than pure narcissism leading 
um, what's going on in his mind. Um, and so, and yes, that is an, that is also an inherently evil trait. I just have not really seen too many occurrences of that being the thing that was being fought against. Um, and I'm actually going to give this movie credit. Like they spelled that out on their face. And I feel like that's a really good thing to teach a little girl is like, Hey, yo, there might be dudes Mm -hmm. that literally try to trophy you. And, uh, that's not cool. And you can, you can say no. (laughs) And so, yeah, no, I was actually, I was actually pleasantly surprised by that, by the way that that message was told, though it was still an unsettling message to see. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty rough to watch. Yeah. It's interesting because we have, we have essentially, um, uh, you know, alluding to what we've been talking about, what you mentioned in the, in the pre-game, the pre-watch rundown, is that on the one hand, we have what I think is a really strong message in that Gaston, who is this like hyper-aggressive, entitled, who in other older Disney movies, he would have been the Prince Charming. Totally. He's the handsomest, most qualified, most skilled person in town. But the Beauty and the Beast in this, Gaston subverts that, and it because he is so entitled, he becomes the monster. He's the really bad dude. So on the one hand, I feel like there's a good message coming through that this sort of behavior is not cool, right? But on the other hand, then we have the capture a girl and then convince her through small gifts to like you, you know? Well, he got this whole situation comes about because he's a dickhead to an old lady. Right. Yeah. Don't be dickheads to old ladies. If there's one thing that fairy tales have taught me is like when an old lady shows up on your doorstep in the middle of the night... Make her a, a room in your house. Get her, her some, some hot tea. cocoa. She is a witch. Right. <laughs> She's guaranteed to be a witch. 100% going to ruin your life. Yep. Just take whatever her gnarled hand is holding out to you and be like, yes, have my Thank bed. You. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. You are welcome here. So let's jump right into it. So in the beginning, we we're introduced to uh, to Belle, and she's a uh, girl living in a pastoral French town in, it seems like, like probably 1800s era France. And I did appreciate that the fact that it's in France is, like, part of the character of the movie. And they oftentimes you'll see, like, French words on buildings. So there's, like, a boulangerie. I appreciated that this didn't just take place in generic land. Like, it was in, it was in France. And there was, like, lots of overtures about France, which I thought was fun. And uh, it was especially fun to watch it this time around because we had Petey singing the entire opening <laughs> bell song. Uh, Word. Four words. And I feel like Perfect. onto the five appellations we gave you in the beginning, gotta add singer P.D. Gibson. <laughs> Very nice voice. Guys. Lots of gusto, too. There was, yeah. I'm, I'm like, so tired right now. I think I was so amped up to see it, and I... Expended a lot of energy. I expended so much energy up top, and when I suddenly realized what was happening, it's kind of like how every day in this new America I'm, like, exhausted and this movie really took it out of me. Yeah. So Belle's considered kind of like a weirdo around town, which we we all kind of were a little bit shocked during the song because I think we, while Petey knew every word to the song, <laughs> I feel like you hadn't maybe thought about all the words and what they meant in a while because as the words were coming out of your mouth, you were like, oh, wow, everybody in this town hates her. Like, why is all this shade being thrown at this, like... They were really cruel. (laughs) They made fun of, like, her looks, her brains. It was, like, like that kind of, like, look at her, she's reading that you see kind of now. It's like, oh, you're an elitist liberal. It's like, I guess, yeah, is that... I like books. Yeah, I, I, I read the news. Am I a monster? What's happening? It is really weird because as a kid, like I was a bookish kid and I always sort of wonder, it was something I never understood as a kid. Like I understood obviously that I was being teased about being bookish, but I like I never got it. I was like, it's just, there's lots of fun stuff going on in books. What's yep. wrong? Did nobody read you guys ever a cool book in ever your entire life? Like books are fun. Were we all the bookish kids that didn't have friends? Yeah, for sure. Hooray! Yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listening to Do I Still Love It, a song, a, a podcast for bookish kids who didn't have many friends. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, movies and TV podcasts. shows were our friends instead. That's right. 
Um, and books. And books. Obviously. Mm-hmm. So we learn that uh, Bell is being pursued by Gaston, and he's a big dick, and uh, kind of like an asshole who is only interested in her because she's not interested in him. And because don't, she's hot. Oh, she's and also not interested. She's in also him. very beautiful. I she's feel like all so pretty. All three of us at different points were like, "Gosh, she is really pretty." <laughs> uh, like even for a Disney princess, she's pretty. Yeah. W- one thing I thought was kind of interesting, actually, speaking of this, is the humans, the human characters in this movie, for the most part, were drawn well, relatively uh, lifelike in a mm-hmm. in a Disney style, with the exception of Gaston's sidekick, who looks like a cartoon character. But every every other person seems like proportionate and uh, and looks relatively human like, as opposed to some of the more stylized, like Hercules. Uh, I mean, I guess her dad is human-like if he was going to be played by Danny DeVito. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I do feel like Danny DeVito has the body of every Disney father figure. He could play the Sultan oh, sure. in Aladdin. <laughs> because the Sultan Aladdin is is Belle's dad again. It's the same character model. When they draw old chubby guys, they always make them bounce instead of walk. Right. They so like, they're always like bouncing with their arms flinging through the air. <laughs> I do find it funny that in Disney movies, the father is always like 18 inches shorter than his daughter. Right. And the yeah. mom's not there, so like, how tall was this mother to make this child? Right. <laughs> Maybe it's just Disney's way of being like, oh, look, he's a dithering old man who needs the care of his adult daughter. Yeah, I that's think what that's the is. case. So her dad goes to take this, his, her dad's an inventor and takes his invention to a fair, but gets lost and on his way encounters the beast. And the beast captures him, throws him in the dungeon, which is a great move if you're trying to win some girl's affection. Capture her dad, throw her in your dungeon. Well, he didn't know. He didn't know there was going to be this, like, beautiful woman walking in his door trying to find the guy that he threw in the dungeon. Mm -hmm. True. It was just an old trespasser. It's just an old trespasser. Let him rot. Yeah, he did not learn his lesson, by the way, obviously here. Who? I mean, because the beast, he's like... Oh no, I'm a beast because this old lady showed up at the door and I didn't treat her very oh, well. Oh, you're right. What if Belle's dad had been an old wizard? Like, and his life had gotten even worse. Yeah. Didn't learn his lesson. That would have been a. I feel like this is a version of the movie now that I want to see. That he just keeps inviting old. He just keeps distrusting old people and they are a successive chain of witches and wizards that just keep. It's a story him of geriatric abuse. It's basically yeah. bed sores and oh my God. abandonment. The worst. <laughs> So Belle goes to find him, and Belle encounters the beast and offers herself up as tribute and uh, Mm. swaps places with her dad, which uh, that's literally what I was thinking when she did it. I was like, I I volunteer as tribute. (laughs) Strong, powerful, central female characters. I've got my three fingers in the air. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like this is the part where we got like the first like real genuine laugh. So when (laughs) Belle volunteers as tribute... um, uh, he tosses her in the dungeon. He tosses her in the dungeon and tosses her father out. So the beast has a bunch of servants who have been turned into inanimate objects who are now semi-animate. They can run around and talk and shit like that. And they're all like, oh, this is the girl who can break the spell. Why don't you be nice to her? Like, give her a room. And so he goes to her dungeon cell and is just like, I will show you to your room now. My and, room? Well, you want to you, you wanna stay in the tower? <laughs> And it was just, like, such an emo aggression. Like, do you want to stay in the tower? You can stay in the tower if you want. I mean, God. And she's just like, no. And then she just, <laughs> suddenly they have this, like, moment where they're looking at each other. We'll never be able to I don't know, man. It. I was shipping it from right it's there. It's a cute, it is kind of a It was a cute really right cute moment. Yeah. You want to you wanna stay in the castle? You want to stay in the tower? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the beast then begins to try and romance... Court. Bell, but the problem is he's like violent and loud and angry and is also a monster, like a physically a monster. And so doesn't have a lot going, going on. Yeah. Uh, he can, well, is kind of a doofus sometimes though too. They have a lot of like doofy physical comedy yeah. moments where I think he's at least trying. Mhm. No, and I do think he is trying and you know, it's it's difficult, like, having no narcissistic, crazy people who have temper issues and maybe haven't been in relationships with them. <laughs> there's, like, a piece of me that's like, give him a chance. And then there's a piece of me that's like, hell no. No, girl. girl. save yourself. Don't <laughs> do this. Um, and so, like, honestly, the, the, the give him a chance 
somehow won out. And yeah. I was just like... You do. There is something yeah. about him where you kind of want him. And maybe it's just because it's paired along with the toxic masculinity of not only Gaston, but the entire shitty town that she lives in. Right. That is like shaming and bullying. So at least he's just like, hey, let's let's eat oatmeal weird together. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's got those sexy blue eyes. It's true. You know? It's true. Yeah, and I kind of gave it like... I was there. He was a <laughs> shit. Um, the old lady came and was like, oh, let me in. Get me off the road. And he was a shit to her. And then he has spent, I think they said 10 years? 10. 10 years in this beastly form because of it without anyone around. So he's had some reflection time. And so... <laughs> But at the same time, his social skills have also gone the fuck out the window. Right. right. And so there was a there was a He's way just been in which talking I was to lamps and stuff for ten years. Yeah. And so there was a way in which I was able to rationalize, like maybe he did learn his lesson over these ten years. He just has such fucked up social skills, and he's so scared because the stakes are so high with the fact that if he doesn't. Like, this woman just walked into his house in, like, the last month of his ability to get out of this form, and she's perfect, and she's beautiful, and he actually likes her. So the stakes are so high, and he has such low self-esteem, and he hasn't talked to humans in so long, that even though maybe he's, like, come around and he's become a better person, he's just so fucked up in the head that he's like, fuck, I'm gonna fuck it up. So he just completely, like, in the beginning, screws it up over and over and over and over again. That's how I rationalized my acceptance and shipping of this character. Uh, Which is difficult, because I had to go through a lot of hoops to be okay with that. I think we were talking about the men in this movie setting the bar so low. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. I feel like fucking applaud any shred of humanity. I feel like that's, that's part of the, the real role Gaston plays in this movie is making the beast seem better by comparison. <laughs> Because if Gaston didn't exist in this movie, like, you would think, Belle, you're a crazy person for ever showing any shred of compassion for the Beast. Because he's a a violent monster who's captured you in a dungeon. You cannot leave. But compared to the guy outside, he's a gem. So I mean, on the same day that Gaston proposes to her in front of the entire town... And, like, basically pins her inside her own house and is, like, super physically scary. Yeah. Right after that is when this is the same day that she meets the Beast. Yeah. It's a rough fucking day. It's a rough fucking day. At least the Beast is like, here's your bedroom that I have set up for a woman just your age, full of clothes that would fit your body. <laughs> that is true. Where did, where did all this come from? Where did all the food come from? Where did all the food come from? So, so that actually gets us to our next plot point. So he's like, hey, I'm going to take you to, I'm going to have them set you up in this bedroom and you're going to have dinner with me. And she's like, fuck no, I'm not having dinner with you. And yeah. he's like, you're having dinner with me. And she's like, fuck no, I'm not having dinner with you. So he's like, no one feeds her. He goes to sleep. She walks out. Obviously, they don't just feed her. The best scene in the movie occurs of Be Our Guest. The oh, best scene in scene? one of Disney's yeah. history, I think. Uh-huh. I think that Be Our Guest could be removed from this movie and just been be put in like a Fantasia style, like, mm-hmm. you know, extravaganza movie. And you would totally be like, yes, this is fantastic, fun shit right here. You know, mm-hmm. um, just the the way I mean, I think my favorite part of this film is all the talking, all the talking inanimate objects mm-hmm. like animate inanimate objects actually um polymorphed uh servants yeah um that's absolutely my favorite part of this hey also why does he have so many servants that got turned into why why were so many people in that castle when this happened serving one princeling that's why he's such a shit yeah yeah bad it's the spoon's fault (laughs) <laughs> Blame the spoon. goddamn silver fucking spoon. In yep. his mouth, and now walking around on the table. Yeah, Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I think Be Our Guest is, is just, like, Disney at its best. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Where it starts to, like, call in, just, like, artistically calling in all those things with, like, the spoons doing the synchronized swimming, yeah. and, like, oh, my God. It was so good at one point when they have, like, the lines dancing <laughs> across the thing. Yeah, and I, I think so that, good. you know... And that's why I brought it Fantasia. Like, that reminds me of old school Disney in its first heyday. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say, this is the most, like, classically Disney musical scene. 
Um, in, in, in part because the, almost every other musical number, like we were saying, is more like a stage musical where we're pushing the plot along, there's dialogue maybe within. But Be Our Guest is just a set piece, like a spectacle. We're like, they could have just been like, oh, here, we're going to give you some food. But they're like, and a show. And it's, it is, it's Fantasia and it's Mary Poppins and it's all the big, like, sis boom musical numbers. Um, and you have Cogsworth the whole time being like, no, wait, no, wait. Okay, not any louder. And so you're able to like raise the stakes, raise the stakes against this character who by the end is like won over by it and is into it. Right. So funny. Ugh, yeah. Loved it. Yeah. And it's great that the Beast doesn't show up at the end to like spoil it by it's having true. been woken up. It was their secret. Yeah. Well, it allows Belle to stay. It allows the rest of the movie to happen because it's suddenly like not only are we all your allies, but we're extremely excited that we're, you're here. And we're way more fun than the place that you came from. We have a lot of pate. Exa- exactly. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Like, all the people, all the servants are all kind of weirdos like Belle. Or, or at least they're not, you know, suspicious and judgy of each other the way the people in the town are. Mm-hmm. Like, they're quite warm and welcoming. And they all have their own, like, kind of weird eccentricities. But none of the servants seem to like you know, tut-tut at one another, except for Lumiere and Cogsworth, like, friendly arguments that they get into. But otherwise, as opposed to the town where she's an outsider, here she's immediately an insider. And they do seem to genuinely like her. Oh, yeah. But the big moment where the beast, where the the turn happens is uh, Belle flees the castle and is attacked by wolves. And uh, the beast shows up just in the nick of time, and fins off the wolves. It's a literal save the heroine like moment. Sixteen wolves. He fights like wolves. 127 wolves all at a lot once, of wolves. and uh, nearly dies in the process. And then somehow Belle is able to lift him onto the back of her steed. <laughs> There's a, uh, the beast collapses in the snow, and then the next scene, he's riding slumped over the uh, the horse. To which Petey was like, uh, "How did he get up on that horse? Did uh?" Bell beast mode him up onto that horse. Oh, beast mode. He's not the only beast. No, and I think that this is where this is where I I kind of warmed up to the idea of the whole Bell beast situation is when she's, you know, so afterward she's like cleaning his arm from the wolf attack and he's like, this sucks. And she's just like, wouldn't happen if you hadn't scared me out of your house. And he's like, yeah. And so, um... Because all of the Mrs. Potts and all the people there scatter because they see his temper going up and she gives it back to him equally and he backs off. And I think the whole staff is like, oh, shoot. Yeah, like... Girl gonna get it. Yeah, she's challenging the master. Right. Yeah, and I just, I loved, I loved watching, not watching her cower and just being like, don't be a fucking asshole. I'm gonna clean your fucking arm. Yeah. Yep. This is around the time that I started noticing that the weather is completely inconsistent in this movie. <laughs> the, oh my god. The opening musical number is, seems like a nice spring or summer day. Everybody has in like short sleeves and skirts and everything. And then it snows. And then it snows almost immediately. Then the snow clears up. And then once she goes back to the castle, it's snowing again. And then there is a whole snowy sequence where she starts falling for the beast. And we get to see the kind of goofy side of the beast. I have a theory about the weather. Oh, okay. I just realized it. So, I, spoiler alert, at the very, very end, when he comes out of the uh, beast the mode. trance, the beast mode, <laughs> the entire castle uh, has the snow lifted off, and suddenly the leaves come back and stuff like that. So I'm wondering if the town... Perpetual winter. I'm wondering if the town that has been, like, super close to this without knowing for the last 10 years has just had fucked up weather just because it's geographically so close to this cursed situation. Oh, and it doesn't seem odd to the villagers because it's been that way for at least 10 years. Yeah. Which, okay. I'm a genius. So speaking of this 10 years, they, several of them mentioned that, okay, well, this curse has been happening for 10 years. And yet in the beginning... 21 years is what she said. It, in the beginning, yeah, yeah, she said you have at the... On your 21st birthday is when this thing will wilt and you'll die. So you'll he was be, 11? So he was he an 11-year-old prince when he answered the door? No. That can't be right. Well, we were talking during it. We were talking over the movie, guys, of monsters, <laughs> but... Like um, monster. But, like, we were talking about the do they ever age. 
Right. Yeah. Because, like, Chip is five years old. Also, Mrs. Potts is, like, 80. Very old. Mrs. Potts aged. No one else did. Well, no, no, she's like, get into the cupboard, Chip, with your brothers and sisters. There are at least 20 cups in the, like, Mrs. Potts is very prolific. Yeah, well, then Chip is her baby that she had at the Mistake baby. Yeah. She dropped him, and that's why his name's Chip. (laughs) He's missing that chunk out of his head. Yeah, that's what it is. But I also love when he's a human again, he's dressed like an orphan. Yeah, yeah. He's dressed so scraggly and dirty, and it's like... This does not fit into this situation at all. What if Mrs. Potts is just a matron of several orphans? All the cups are orphans. All the cups are orphans. She's <gasps> their mama. Covered orphanage. Yeah, she runs a little orphanage of servants. You know, I imagine servant being life of slaves. Ser- yeah, well, I imagine <laughs> servant life was very typical for orphans. True. Like Oliver Twist style. Please, Indentured sir, may I have some servants. more? Yeah. They actually, they actually start to fall in love, and we have the Beauty and the Beast song, which won the Academy Award for Best Original Song. I mean, yeah, I get that. Uh, although, I would have preferred Be Our Guest to win it. Um, actually, I really like Gaston's song, because it's so funny. and There's so like, much good wordplay in it. Yeah. There's, like, this whole, like, love song to Gaston that his, like, dopey little sidekick sings to him. But it has such great lines like, Every last inch of me is covered with hair. Which, as a man with a hairy chest, I find myself saying that to myself in the mirror after I get out of the shower <laughs> very often. You really like the line where he claims that he decorates everything with antlers. <laughs> yeah. Like, I use Marshall antlers giggles. in all of my decorating. Actual line. Yeah. And then the spitting line. That oh, was the other right. One. He's, they, yeah, I'm they're, especially they're... good at expectorating. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's impressive. It is. Basically, he's just... I am turned on. super manly dude. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so she falls in love with the Beast. They have their beautiful, like, ballroom dance scene. That's probably the most famous image from the from the movie. But she she finds out that her father is in trouble, so she goes to save him, and that's when... Yeah, she does not go to save him. She, like, she's sad, and she says, Beast, I'm so sad. I, I, I'm happy, but I'm sad because I haven't seen my father. I want to see my father. And he's mm-hmm. like, you can see him through the magic mirror I have. And that he's been she, withholding the entire time. Yup. And then she <sighs> looks in the mirror and her father is literally dying in a snowbank. <laughs> like alone. She, she like tunes in on the on the television mirror right as he collapses. <laughs> like perfect timing. And so in in her distress, the beast, his heart grows three fully, sizes. And he says, You can go to him, knowing. That he is damning himself to eternal beastdom. And all of his servants to eternal inanimate yeah. objectdom. No oh, yeah, wonder no, they, they were... They, fam- have, they have skin in this game. Yeah. For I just sure. realized that. Oh, yeah. That whole Be Our Guest m- number was like, Be Our Guest and please fall in love with our master. We're tired of being objects. <laughs> so she goes, she saves him, but then Gaston has roused the mob uh, to go after this beast. Um, Gaston originally rouses the mob to go after her father. Oh, that's right. Yeah. With the with the creepy yeah. asylum dude, and, and wants to put him in a in a uh, like a paddy wagon that says Asylum de Lune, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> that's yeah. hilarious. Um, yeah, so he comes in and he's all just like, "Oh, they're taking your father away to the asylum. I could probably get in the middle of this and stop it, but you're going only if you marry me." Which he goes. It only takes one word. And she goes, never. And I was like, get it, bitch. <laughs> so she, yeah, so they're taking him away. And she's like, no, he's not crazy for raving about a beast. I can show you. Grabs a mirror. Show them the beast. And the beast is like howling because he's so sad and mad. And they're like, fuck. And then instantly, beast. shit gets a little too close for comfort for me. Right. Yeah. Because he turns around and he's like, this beast is a horrible beast. He's going to eat your babies. He's going to ruin our town. We're not safe. We have to go kill him. Right. And it does hit really close to home because up until this moment, only the two, only Belle and her father have even encountered the beast. Right. And so I think the part... No one in the town ever knew he existed. Knew even knew he existed. And so this... It's a scene all about xenophobia. Like, here's something we don't understand. So we're going to assume the worst and and then be violent against it. Yes. 
Yeah, there, was, there were pitchforks and torches immediately. It made me really uncomfortable, yeah. like, in a way that I don't think it usually would, because up until recently, I just thought, oh, we've moved past that as a society. Right. No, the mob is always almost right there, you know? Yeah. And... It just it requires a leader. We oftentimes talk about on this show about whether or not it was appropriate viewing for you as a kid, and um, this is a part where I thought, this is a thing where I think this becomes appropriate viewing because this, the takeaway from this scene is how, at least for me as an adult, is how easy it is to sway people's opinions with fear. Because uh, Gaston immediately leaps on, the beast will come for your children. And these these mother figures immediately like pull their kids close. And, and wave goodbye to their husbands. They're like... Yeah. See you later. Yeah, and as an audience member, that's a good point. As an audience member, you already know the beast. You already know him. Like you've already humanized him or be- beasticized him. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I could see. I could see your point. How, as a little kid, like the fact that they're going after the beast is actually the really scary part. Right. And like it, as a kid, like you, I think it's not hard for you to realize that, like the beast doesn't deserve what's coming for him and it's all because and they don't even know the beast right like those are some simple truths that you can like grasp onto that i mean bell literally says it yeah she's like no he's really sweet and kind you don't know him exactly so all the all the men folks start creating like uh siege weapons to go and attack the the castle and it made me wonder just as a like a little thought about like ooh, i wonder how often citizens just stormed a castle of some aristocrat back in the day like it's a pretty intense scene like it was intense enough for me as an adult to be going like oh wow this would be like intense like it made me start thinking about like game of thrones like the kind of like violence that was about to happen were it not tempered by the fact that the combatants on one side were all inanimate objects (laughs) yeah right because because this is one of the few Disney movies I can think of that have a full-on battle sequence yeah, and between I don't think, armies. I don't think the battle sequence would have been acceptable had it not been for the fact that half of the fighters were kitchen tables and brooms. Yeah. Yeah. And a bureau with a baseball bat. <laughs> that was Marshall's favorite part <laughs> there's of a the scene, entire movie. So during the fighting, uh, there's a moment which is totally, I think, worth watching the entire movie just to see. <laughs> there's a moment where it's a wide shot of the battle and off on the left-hand side, you see a bureau or a, or a chest of drawers just s- kind of lean out from behind a column. <laughs> and it's big. It's a big chest of drawers. And then it has a wooden arm that pulls out a baseball bat. It was fantastic. We, he rewinded it so we could all see it. It was like yeah. a little magic eye. Um, so just to, just to wrap up the plot here. All of the inanimate objects succeed at holding everyone back, but Gaston slips through and he goes after the beast and they have this big fight scene and the beast is like all emo and he's like, I'm not even going to fight. But then he sees Belle coming and he's like, oh, I'm obviously going to fight because now I'm fighting for a woman. And so then they well, have this he's got huge... something to live for. He's not going to be doomed forever to be unloved. But he doesn't know that. Well, she came for him. Yeah, Okay. Um, but anyway, feel the love. I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, so they get into this big fight and, uh, eventually beast pointedly does not kill Gaston yeah. when he has the chance yeah. showing that he's not the villain, which I think is the important, yeah. he's he could have changed. Just, he's changed or he was never actually a villain in the first place. You're just a little sniffling shit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it looks like, uh, he has, he has the kind of banished Gaston and he climbs up and, uh, he climbs up the roof because this all happens on the roof. <laughs> and then Belle is at a balcony and she tries to pull him in. And then Gaston comes out of nowhere, stabs him in the, like, yeah, in the back. back kidney. Um, but then and falls, then to, falls his to his untimely death. Oh, right. I think it was very timely. Yeah. yeah. That was done. His uh, untimely slash very timely death. But just in the nick of time, Belle declares her love over the dying beast and he becomes a hunky dude. Yes. He, he actually. <laughs> Very Gaston-like. Only blonde with blue eyes. It's true. I actually didn't find him Gaston-y at all. I, I, it's interesting. Like, the um, the way that he's drawn, at, there's just something about him to me that seems kind of innocent. The blue eyes. Yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's the, like, saucer blue eyes. 
where it's just like he he seemed like this this kind of innocent idiot in a way like well he was turned into a beast at 11 what yeah what I much mean, do you know at 11 if that's the if, if that's the that can't be true though because there was that picture of him in exactly. his room that he scratched oh that's true so no, he I, did, think, I think he didn't age yeah. But I guess the rose lasted 10 years. But you're right. Then they they said on your 21st birthday. Yeah. Back when everyone got married when they were 15. I didn't hear 21st birthday. I heard... 21 years but it but they had all said we've been resting for 10 years so yeah, basically we found a a, a plot hole or a, a or an error in the script yeah. which hopefully emma watson's version will rectify that's the only yeah. part of this movie i really want them to know right so, so so at the very end they're all like kissy lovey and then they like probably get married and you find them in the ball happily and after, yeah. all the all the inanimate objects are now people again and so they have like 400 servants um, and Mrs. Potts and Belle's dad are definitely hitting it. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. It's true. Well, because they're both decrepitly old for how young their children are. <laughs> That's right. Her dad's so much older than Belle, too. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's yeah, Beauty and the Beast. That's Beauty and the Beast. One thing I think that's interesting, because we do have like an opportunity, because like, a movie that is a remake is coming out. Uh, so, Petey, what are some changes that you would like to see... Were were you were you directing slash writing the the new remake of Beauty and the Beast? What changes Ooh. would you have made, if any, to this? You know, in life, I'm kind of a um, fan of a no regrets approach. Okay, <laughs> and I kind of feel like if you change anything, it it kills the story. Like my mind is like, I would give her an ally in the town. I would make them less mean. I would make it, but none of the things can happen as they go. You know, she w- she wasn't like I'm gonna grow up and change a dead beast into a hot alive man on the top of a castle. Uh huh. But that is what happened, and I think she's pretty excited about her life. Yeah, I mean, it worked out. I I won't say that it it didn't it wasn't premeditated by any means, but somehow she got what she wanted. I find that's life in general. If you can just yeah say yes to things. I've heard that they're making Lafu gay. That it will yeah. be Disney's first, quote unquote, first gay character. Is LeFou guest on Sidekick? Guest on Sidekick is being played by Josh Gad. Oh, okay. And there's been a huge hubbub about um, they're making him gay, even though he's like super gay already. He's but yeah, very gay. In every anime. movie he's has a totally super. In love with Gaston. Like Jasmine's dad, the Sultan, super, super gay. gay. But and Pumbaa, movie, totally gay. Totally a gay couple. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to Ursula ban it in Russia. Uh, Ursula, possibly a drag queen. Oh, yeah. I think for sure a big les. But, I mean, as a queer person, that's very exciting that you can see that out there. And it's not their only characteristic. It's not, like, just the flaming guy. But it's like, he's also this whole character. And, um, oh, I was going to say words. Well, it was cool. It's cool that Disney's embracing it. Because I I saw a thing just the other day where Disney had a cartoon on the Disney Channel that featured the first gay kiss of just side characters it's like i i saw a, i saw like a short thing whatever the main characters were at like a dance like a high school dance mm. and off to the side you see an obvious boys couple of boys kissing like and they're dance they're at the dance together that's the best when you can see that stuff yeah and, and it's just like a part of the scene so it's just like a normal background piece right like this isn't a story about gay kids overcoming the odds this is a story about these kids over here they're just happen to also be gay kids in this school you that's know hugely meaningful to queer youth yeah hugely that's and awesome. it's cool that disney is embracing it because like you know they are such they are the titan of media in the world right now. So, like, Ugh. now let's I don't want to give them too much credit. It's 2017. Yeah. I would not say they're embracing it. I would say they're doing it. Probably a Josh Gad being like, I've made you so much money. Please let me do this thing. And I also heard that there's been a lot of, like, uproar about having a gay character. And yeah. everyone, like, and there's a movie theater in the South that's refusing to show it. And it's like. This is a movie primarily about bestiality. Yeah. <laughs> but a sidekick evil gay character is not okay. Right. Because what's what's he going to be doing? Like French kissing dudes? No, he's just probably going to be flamboyant. And right. We'll be like, well, we're giving you we're giving you a tiny taste of this thing. We'll yeah, give you it's like not a- like they haven't had infinite flamboyant characters throughout the Disney lexicon. It's just mm-hmm. the first time where they're like, oh yeah, no, that means you know. 
What's also like, there's more to it than that. Has this right. theater banned every movie that had a gay character in it? Because a lot of movies have gay characters now. Like they're going to just start running out of movies to show, which you know, great. I'm glad. I hope they run out of movies to show. I hope every movie from now on has seven or more gay characters in seven it. Seven or more. That's the just line. so. It's the new Bechtel test. That's right. I'm proposing that if your movie doesn't have seven or more queer characters in it, I'm not interested. Fuck off, everybody. Uh, Although I guess by that, even Moonlight didn't qualify. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like Moonlight, the gayest Oscar winner of all time. Oh my God, that movie is beautiful. Um, So Laura, is there anything that you would have liked to have changed about this? Um... I think that if I was to, like, step into this version of the film, uh, I would make it a little bit longer. And in there, I would build a little bit more of the, like, buildup of the interaction between them. Um, Because I do think that it's problematic to uh, just speed that along when you start with a character that is so repulsive in every way and i'm not i'm not speaking visually i'm I'm speaking from a personality space um i think that that's rushing that is just dangerous um and so i would have liked to see them dig into that more a couple more scenes not just from his point of view because you just get it from his point of view but from her point of view because he's the one that's going through the bigger arc but her arc needs to match in some way because there is something that she wants out of life. And I do see how the end of this could reach that mm-hmm. just through bizarre happenstance. But um, I need to see her having these realizations in a deeper, in a deeper, more um, contemplative way. Yeah, I think I would have preferred a little bit more of a differentiation between the Beast's default uh personality and gaston's because in the beginning that like you said the same day that gaston tries to force marriage on bell is the same day she meets the beast and that day one the beast is just violent and angry and abusive as gaston is they it's almost like she's like literally the worst day of bell's life right Mm. and so the fact that she's so she is able to so quickly turn around and start liking him. Like, I found that, like, I, I, I'm with you. I would have preferred a longer amount of time f- to uh, to justify that sort of turnaround or walk back how violently angry yeah. the Beast is. Like, have the beastliness be his appearance. You know, let, maybe lean more into the it's on the inside that counts, not on the outside. Because in the beginning, his inside is garbage too. He's a fucking asshole. And so there's no, there's no reason to like the beast. It's just his inside thaws after a while. And, and like yeah, I and appreciate so, that he's kind of a goofball, but he's an, he's an angry goofball. Yeah, and I find that very difficult as an adult because, you know, I've seen men who are total fucking shits become kittens for about six months when they fall in love with a girl. Then they turn back to being complete fucking shits. So I don't feel confident that we leave Belle in a safe place. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's that complete romance novel fiction of like exactly. this horrible guy. He's terrible. Then he gets hurt. She nurses him back to health. And he's like, oh, I'm thawed. I love you now. And I'm like, really? Because when they have their next fight in six months, like he's not going to beat the crap out of her? Exactly. Right. Well, and then uh, so this brings us to one of our final things which is do you think this movie was appropriate viewing for you as a kid and would you show it to your own child were you to have one yes on both counts yeah one because i love it (laughs) so i'm gonna force my kid to watch it with me even Uh though it's made me sad now hopefully this will not be our state for always Uh um but i think it does on like that surface level like not only is it really visually stunning but the main character is like she's smart and she's well spoken and she stands up for herself she's not looking to find a prince she's not she's just looking to like live she loves her father who's an inventor so she values all these things and then you're shown throughout the entire thing how terrible it is to judge people on their appearance and to be very quick with um, violence or anger. Yeah, Laura? 
I'm going to compare this to my favorite Disney movie and speak of it in that way. This is a movie I would be so much more like comfortable showing a kid than The Little Mermaid, which is my favorite because this movie I, we've already done that movie and that that was just excruciatingly sad for me because I was like uh, every problem in my psyche was caused by this film. Um it, this movie creates one of the stronger female characters I've seen from Disney, which is not to say that it's anywhere near the level that I would want, but it actually creates some some structures that feel in a way like she is choosing her own path. And there's no one on the outside that's trying to tell her how to be that she's giving into. And so, yeah, I think I would. Yeah. Um, and I think one thing that Petey brought up that, that really hit home for me that I hadn't thought of is that Belle walks into this movie not looking for a man. Mm. She leaves this movie just on accident getting a man. Whereas I bring it up in, in mine, like Ariel's entire thing is gotta get that man, gotta get that man. And so I I do appreciate that, that I think there's a lot of kind of difficult shit going on in this movie surrounding her. But I think she, as her own character, is actually a pretty great female character. She's which amazing. I was not expecting to say. Yeah, no, she's like, she's smart and she's like kind of unabashedly so. And um, like, she is beautiful, but she doesn't she doesn't care like that. She, I, I feel like that's somewhat different from like, say Cinderella where Cinderella is kind of, she seems to care about like looking nice and wanting to look nice. But, uh, but Belle just happens to look nice. But her big thing is like, she likes learning and she wants adventure. Like her big, she, her big thing is she wants to get outside of this town. Right. Mm. Well, that brings us to our title question. Do I still love it? Does Petey Gibson still love it? I love it differently now, I guess. Oh, yeah? Do I sound defeated? (laughs) (laughs) I love the music. I love how colorful it is. I love the fleshed out characters. Um, Our current political climate has ruined a lot of things, and I don't want it to, but yes. Oh, God. Yes. The answer is yes. I still love it. Does Laura Weiss still love it? I I enjoyed this movie way more than I expected. So good. It might be because Petey looked at me as we were about to go in. We're like, you're going to love this. I know you didn't love it when you were a kid, but you're going to love this. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I will. And so, uh, yeah, I'm very surprised that I I really enjoyed this. I love this movie. Uh, You know, I'm going to say I love it too. Like, I, I actually, I I was expecting it to be more problematic than it was, and I think it, it, we're touching because us- we've set the bar real low. Well, <laughs> this has been really enjoyable, uh, right? Well, it's because, like you were saying in the in the uh, in the pre in the pre watch portion of the show, I wonder how much of this movie, how my thought about this movie, had been shaped by general comment that I've seen people make about the movie. And while it is questionable that like the Beast is like, not a good dude, but by comparison to Gaston, I guess he's all right. Uh, like that is a problem, but it. I didn't quite feel it was Stockholm Syndrome, the movie, right? Like, Yeah, and I actually, really quick, I hadn't thought yeah. about this before. She doesn't go back because she's in love with him. She goes back because they built a rapport and she re- cared about him. She wanted to save him. So she wanted to save him. and only, Because he was innocent. And I actually don't yeah. believe that in that moment when she's crying on his chest as he's dying, that when she says, I love you, it's necessarily romantic. 100%. And so then suddenly he becomes a hot dude. And you can re-question what's going on there. You're like, when... oh, you have a wiener now. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. And it's not a furry one. Yeah. <laughs> that probably, probably retracts within the abdomen like a dog's. Ew. A little red rocket. Why? <laughs> a little red rocket. A little red rocket. <laughs> oh, my God. Sick. And so with that, it didn't feel as though she was like, oh, I'm falling in love with my captor. It felt like. Oh, my captor and I actually have a lot in common. We really enjoy each other's company. Oh, don't kill him. Let me see if I can stop this. Oh, he's dying. This makes me sad. I love this guy. I think I think you're right. I think that it's almost like that's the story that's 
sold back to us. And I think I must have internalized that, too, because that's kind of the yeah. way I remember. I'm like, oh, I love this movie, but I feel oh, I'm a little embarrassed because it's and I saw it and I was like, oh, they have like a sequence of like really genuinely like they have a snowball fight and they have this like whole scene with the oatmeal where she uses a spoon and he doesn't know how to because his hands are too big. <laughs> and she's like she picks her bowl up finally and they like come to this compromise and they're reading books and they are building this thing. And I was like, oh, he's not a monster trying to get what he wants. That's Gaston. Right. Yeah. He genuinely is like, oh, my God, human contact with somebody who's, like, smart and kind. Yeah. And I think it totally plays into what the witch, like, kind of wanted here. It wasn't that his heart didn't have love for her because she was, like, not romantically interesting. It was because he just... he was not compassionate at all. Right. And so her thing was like, you need to find someone who'll be compassionate for your sorry ass. And that's who, that's what be, that's what, yeah, I think you're 100%. What Belle, when Belle said, I love you, what she means is I care about you. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it's not like Sleeping Beauty where there just needs to be a kiss. It's yeah. not about like, you have to consummate a relationship and the spell will be broken. <laughs> it's like, you have to be a good fucking person. Right. And slash I did, beast. And I didn't feel like there was a push for like, oh, they're romantically falling in love. It was more like they were figuring out how, like, how to like one another. They were building a relationship. And I don't say relationship in a romantic way. Like, they're building right. a relationship as two people who get to know each other and find out they have a lot in common do. Which is a great way to pack love for kids yeah totally it's a great it's not like it's Ariel, not a prize it's work right it's not Ariel seeing Prince Eric from across the beach and being like that is what love is yeah. it's like it's snowball fights and oatmeal you guys right <laughs> and it's reading books together it's reading books yeah and love is book reading oh man together. Love, love is book reading yeah well I am super thrilled to have had our guest Petey Gibson on the show Petey, thank you so much for being on yeah! the show. Woo! Uh, I had a great time. So let's go again through some of your plugs. What? Where can people see your performances? And do you uh, have internet stuff? Yeah, kind of. Um, you can find um, most of the shorts and things that I've done on PeteyGibson.com. P-E-T-E-Y, like Peter, but with a Y at the end. It's very simple. I don't know why people have trouble with that, but great. PeteyGibson.com. I have the Mary Dolan Show in Los Angeles, Friday, March 24th. Um, I uh, wrote and produced a pilot over the summer based off my hometown, Somerville, Massachusetts, called Somerville. And that is, um, we're going to have a big viewing party for that soon, and we're hoping to sell the shit out of it. I'm about to start working on a new web series about a queer sort of odd couple silver lake roommates cool and yeah i'm making shit all the time so just find me on facebook that's what old people do (laughs) i guess great well we'll have links to all of pd stuff uh in the show notes and on uh, the internet which you can find us at do i still love it.com or on Facebook.com slash Do I Still Love It, or on Twitter at Do I Still Love It. We're Do I Still Love It everywhere, guys. Yep, and like us on, uh, don't like us, review us on iTunes, subscribe. Give us five stars, because we're that great. But uh, yeah, so that about does it. I am Marshall James. And I am Laura Weiss. Saying uh, goodnight. Be our guest. guest. Be Be our guest. guest. Put our service to the test. Tie your napkin around your neck, Shelly, and we provide. This has been